Okay, everybody good? Ready for some word now? If you brought your Bible, got your Bible app, open those things up. Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. I want to continue today in a series we started a couple weeks ago and uh, get into some good stuff. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shake some things up today. Everybody ready for this? Okay, I hope you didn't come to church to be bored or to be, uh, just go through the motions or uh, anything like that. I intend to give you something that'll, that'll challenge you, that'll stir you up to experience God on your own. And, uh, and so we started this series talking about prayer, why we should pray. Jesus said in Matthew 21 and verse 13, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And so whether or not you have made the house of God a den of thieves or not, I think it's very common for individuals to make the house of God something different than a house of prayer. It might be something else. But people, it's intended for one thing, but people do something else with it. How many know that doesn't really uh, make you feel good inside? I mean, when you're designed, I mean, let me back up for a moment. Uh, you, as a, if you're a believer, if you're a child of God, you are the house of God, so you are a house of prayer. Huh? So if you, as a house of prayer, you were designed and created by God to have communication with Him, if you lack that in your life, it's just, life is just going to be off a bit. Okay, something's going to be missing. Something's not going to feel right. Something's not going to work the way it's supposed to work. Because when you're designed for a purpose, you must fulfill that purpose in order for everything to click. Now, we also are the local church. We are a local church, and we are then together corporately a house of prayer. So if we don't have a whole bunch of prayer going on in the house through us corporately, something's just not going to be right, okay? It's going to be a little bit off. A lot of people can be involved in various good things, but let's remember, first and foremost, it is about your personal connection with God. It is about your prayer life. It's got to happen. If that doesn't exist in your life, things aren't working the way they're supposed to. So I'll say, well, I'm, I don't, and I'm okay. I'm pretty happy. No, nothing like, you, you, that, that it, nothing like it could be. You don't know what it could be because you're not cooperating. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> And so there is something we've all been designed for. And Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Okay. Bottom line to this is we're supposed to be praying a lot. Continuously. I mean, us individually and us corporately. We're supposed to have a lot of communication with heaven. There's supposed to be a lot of words going from here to there and there to here. All right. It's supposed to be a dialogue. It's supposed to be conversation with God. Uh, but we should have prayer not be an occasional thing. It should be a normal way of living. Many are familiar with this verse over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17. It reads, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Some may look at that and think, how in the world am I supposed to pray all day long? <laughs> how am I supposed to pray without ceasing? I sleep, I eat, I shower. I, you know, I'm not always praying. Am I supposed to always be praying? That's not what that means. That doesn't mean 24 hours a day you're supposed to be speaking and uh, no you do sleep and do other things but it means that it means that there is never a time in your life where you stopped praying. I mean we don't take breaks. Well, I prayed good last year and uh, and so this year not really much prayer going on. No, no, no. For the believer, you pray always. It's always a part of your life. It's normal. It, to not pray would be totally weird. 
All right. It'd be like a person said, you know, I ate last year, um, but this year, you know, I'm kind of taking a break from eating. <laughs> Won't be a long year for you. <laughs> right? Uh, no, uh, just like eating, I do that ongoing. Normal part. I could miss a meal. I could miss a few, I could miss a few days, but I've always got to come back to eating. Right? And for the believer, yeah, you're not, you don't lose your salvation. It's not the end of the world if you missed a meal. If you missed a prayer time, you missed a few days. But you always come back. Because there is never a time when we stop praying. We pray without ceasing. All right? That's how you're designed. That's how you're created. Anything else messes that up. All right? It just, it's just, just, it just causes things to happen that are not supposed to happen in your life. Also, I, I've recognized this about myself and, and most people. Most people eat most of their meals at home, right? We go to the grocery store, bring it home, prepare it, consume it at home. But then sometimes you go out to eat. Sometimes you go out with friends. Sometimes you go out for convenience or for entertainment. But you go out to eat. How many know your prayer life is somewhat similar to that? Meaning most of your prayer life is at home. And occasionally you come with, and, and we, we pray together because it's more fun. You know, no, and what I mean by that, it's different. It's a different type of, of, of prayer. It's a different type of connection. But most of our prayer life is not at church. Someone said, oh, I pray every week when I go to church. You're starving, dude. You're wasting away. Your spiritual connection is not what it could be. All right? It should be all the time, normal, wherever you live. And then sometimes you go out and pray with other people. Hallelujah. Look with me at James chapter 5. James chapter 5. Or if you've been reading this for a long time, you might call it Jim by now. Uh, just personal familiarity, Jim, Jim 5. We read, we read this verse to you last week. I want to bring a little bit of di- di- different point to it. Uh, it's in verse 13. James 5, 13. Is any among you suffering? Let him do what? Let him pray. Of course, you can substitute many words there to see what you're not to do if suffering. But this is God's directive and said, if you're suffering, you should pray. But I want to bring out this point as well. The scripture says... The person who is suffering is the one who should be doing the praying. Not, he doesn't say here, is anyone among you suffering? Let him find someone to pray for him. Huh? But that seems to be kind of a default with with the way that many people have been trained to relate to God. That if you're struggling, if you're suffering, you got something going on in your life, you need people to pray for you and get you out of that. Sure got quiet in here. And I want you to I want you to think about sometimes I think we we put on God we view him in the light of what happens around us in our society, in our country. You know, there's a lot of talk these days because of elections and so forth about socialism and about the, the concept of spreading things around. One person earns it and another person gets it. 
You know what I'm talking about? Uh, you know, one person is, uh, they work and are successful, and the other person doesn't work, and they're not successful, but they get the stuff that the other person produced. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, and so that a lot of people are discussing that that form of of government and, and, and economics and all that kind of thing. I think we should avoid thinking that way about spiritual things. We should avoid thinking that God operates that way, where one person has a relationship with God, another person doesn't. But the person who doesn't, they don't need to get their act together. They just need to rely on that other person's relationship. One person has a prayer life. They put in their time. They know how to make connection with God. And another person doesn't. But the one who does, they'll just do all the praying and cover everybody else. Everybody with me today? Almost like a spiritual socialism. You know, almost like a, 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 a an, what, what do you call it? An entitlement mentality. You owe this to me. You have to do this for me. Well, here's another thought. You can have your own prayer life. Here's another thought. Maybe you can have a relationship with God all by yourself, independent of what other people do. Hallelujah. I think it would be correct to say to all of us, we should learn how to pray for ourselves. We should learn how to encourage ourselves. We should learn how to pull ourselves up if we get knocked down. And that's not to say that we should be absent from a body and not to say that we won't, don't receive well from others. But I would tell you, we all should get this on our own to where we see it as our own personal responsibility. If you continue reading in this verse, he, he goes on to say, is any cheerful, let him sing psalms. Now, how many know some people are cheerful and they, let's, they think someone else is going to sing their psalms? Huh? Don't let somebody else praise God for you. You do your own praising. Well, I'm just happy everything's good. I'm going to go to church. I just love this worship. <laughs> How you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Life is good. And then when everyone else is doing their shouting for them. Everyone else is doing their singing, doing their praising. You got to have your own. See, Christianity doesn't work if you don't have your own. You don't have your own worship. You don't have your own shout. You don't have your own dance. You don't have your own song. Huh? It's got to come from within you. And when you participate, it takes on a whole new meaning. Amen. Suffering, you pray. Happy, sing, man. Get it on. I know. I know. Over the years, I've, I've experienced it many times where individuals would bring someone to me. And they say, hey, I've got this friend. I've got my brother, sister, mother, uncle, whatever. And, and I've talked to them. They want to get saved. They want to be born again. And so I brought them to you. Could you, you know, help them get saved? And, uh, you know, there's a real part of me that says, absolutely. You know, you got one on the hook. I'll help reel them in. You know, uh, absolutely. I'll help. What can I do to be a part? But then there's another side of me that says, well, why don't you do it? I mean, do you have to have some super high, high, highly qualified pastoral figure in your life in order to lead someone to Jesus? That's not the case, and that's not correct. Now, I understand sometimes people feel like they're not uh, 
don't know enough or something. But here's the deal. We should all view ourselves as being able to do great things for God, with God, you know, Him through us, all by ourselves. You know, it's happened many times with healing as well. I have this friend. Could you pray for their healing? Again, I'm on it. It's like, bam, (laughs) I want to. But then there's the other thought. Well, why didn't you do that? Why didn't you? You have hands. <laughs> you, have, you have faith. You have an anointing in you. Why don't you lay hands on that person and, and, and let God heal them through you, through your prayers? Everybody okay? See, parents love to see their kids get something for themselves, don't they? If, if you're a parent and your kids started doing things on their own, and they... they you know, it just, yeah, it thrills you when you no longer do it for them, but they do it for themselves. Spiritual leaders are the same way. It, it thrills me to see someone born again. But then when I see them walking it out, when I see them progressing and they get baptized in water, then they receive the Holy Spirit. And then they're praying for other people. And then they're making it work. And then they're calling on the name of the Lord. Oh, that thrills my heart. There's another one, huh, that just got it. I think, I think uh, the day of Pentecost from heaven's perspective was a happy day and from hell's perspective was a horrible day because you had Jesus going around healing the sick and preaching and helping people and ministering and then all of a sudden in one day Jesus turns into 120 and then they preach and then it expands from there into thousands and just like that all these people get it themselves and how many know the devil was in trouble. Yeah, see, we're, we are not going to be able to do what we're supposed to do if we are thinking, if we have any kind of seed of thought in our minds that only a select few here and there can really bring the goods, can really make it happen. I tell you, every person in the body of Christ, everyone for whom Jesus died can both receive and then make contact and get it themselves. You have the ability to let God work mightily through you. Amen. Now, if you look at the next couple of verses there in James, uh, verse 14 might cause a question because it goes on to say, is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. And so that could feed into this notion that, well, when you got problems, you need special people. You need special, more superior spiritual people to take care of things. That's really not what that's teaching. And let, 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 let me explain. Because you don't say in one minute, if you're suffering, you pray. And then the very next minute, if you're suffering with sickness, get other people to pray. Are, are you listening to me now? Now, and the, so you can see that just by knowing the English, English language and reading that there. But I've also understood from uh, an individual who uh, was quite adept into, into the Greek language. And, and this was what they said. That, that, that verse there in 14, is anyone sick among you, could really be translated, is anyone sick among you beyond helping themselves? And so it wasn't, James was not teaching his church, uh, basically, you guys, 
you can't get it on your own. You need the elders of the church if you're ever suffering with sickness. He wasn't telling them that at all. But really, if a person was in a situation where they weren't getting it, where they were unable to, to receive and they were uh, you know, not getting success, he said, absolutely, call the elders of the church. Let's get this thing taken care of. Let's make this contact with God and get this thing healed. But he's not teaching everyone you can't get it on your own because if you're suffering, you pray. Everybody with me on this? Does that make sense? See, uh, there's a great revelation that we can can get from this. Go with me to uh, John 16. If you go uh, left turn, swing by Acts, put the brakes on, hit John. Maybe you call him Johnny. I don't know. If you've, been, <laughs> if you've been reading a long time. In John 16, now, Jesus was teaching here his disciples about what was about to take place. All right? And if you know the, the history there, Jesus was about to go to the cross. Then he was going to be raised from the dead. Then he was going to go back and be seated at the right hand of the Father. And this is right before that. And they had become accustomed to relating to Jesus and to their needs a certain way. And he said, that's about to change. Okay? Things are about to be uh, changed here. And let me tell you how it's going to work. All right? And by the way, the day he was pointing to is still our day. Because we're still, they're at the beginning of that period. We're at the end of that period called the church age or the dispensation of grace. All right, this is how it works for us today. He told them in verse 26, in that day, you will ask in my name. Now stop there for a moment. You will ask in my name. Why would he tell them that? Because, you know, up until that point, they never prayed in the name of Jesus. They would never make requests and say, Father, I ask in Jesus' name. But he said in that day, that is how you're going to ask. How many know that's the way we're supposed to ask today? If you're not doing that, you're just praying, and you don't use any Jesus name, let me encourage you. Start using that name, okay? Because that name is your authority. That name is your right to go into the throne of God. That name says, I'm coming on Jesus' behalf. That name says, if Jesus were here, Father, he would be asking you this, but he's not here. He's in heaven, so I'm coming in his place. That's what that means. In Jesus' name means you're authorized to make the request. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So don't just pray, yada, 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 amen. No, say, Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. When you know what that means, oh, your confidence just went through the roof as soon as you said it. <laughs> uh, or when you lay hands on people, in Jesus' name. Oh, that carries much weight in the whole spiritual realm. Hell trembles. (laughs) Demons go flying against the wall. And heaven rejoices at that name. Come on. That's another subject we could talk all day long about the name. But he said in that day, you're going to ask in my name. So that's how we pray today. In Jesus' name. All right. He said, and I do not say to you, That I shall pray the Father for you. I do not say that. In other words, up until this point, what had been going on? The disciples needed something. They go to Jesus. They go to Jesus. He's their answer. If they need something from the Father, Jesus would pray for him. Jesus would take care of them. He would handle the situation. He said, but it's coming up where that's not going to be how it works anymore. 
said, I'm not going to be praying to the Father for you. You're going to do it on your own. Everybody with me? Okay. See, they were accustomed to going to Jesus. In other words, we could say it this way. They were relying on Jesus' relationship with the Father instead of having their own. But here's the deal. We're in that day now. And if we still think that way, that's an Old Testament way of thinking. That's an Old Covenant way. That's a, I don't have my own relationship with God way of thinking. What do you mean? If I think anytime I need God to do something for me, I need to go to someone else and get them to go in there on my behalf. Hey, hey. Why do we want someone to go, to go in there for us? Why don't we go in there ourselves? I mean, just think about it logically for a moment. And I'll clean this up for all those questions, some of them. If the, if the Father wanted, if I want God the Father to do something for me, why would I ask you to ask Him for me? I mean, what sense does that make? I mean, why don't I just go ask him? Why don't I just go directly to him? It seems that the way they were accustomed to living, relying on someone else's relationship with the Father, is still the way that many people relate to God today, is they still rely on someone else's relationship. They haven't developed their own. They haven't recognized him moving in their own life. And so whenever there's a need, go to somebody else. Everybody okay? I mean, why are prayer requests so popular? I know I'm making some people nervous. But I want you to, I want you to analyze that thinking and where it comes from. I have a need, so I get everyone to pray for me. And then it goes on to this other thing other line of thinking, if I can get a lot of people praying for me, then I'm really putting God in a corner. (laughs) He's going to have to do something. And with social media, we all have a thousand friends, right? Close personal friends. (laughs) And if I can get all them praying for me, certainly I've upped my chances of really getting a miracle. But is that anything that Jesus taught? Did he come even close to telling you that your prayer is not good enough? The Father doesn't hear you alone, but if you can get a bunch of people going in on your behalf, he'll hear them. And that's not what Jesus taught. See, what a lot of this shows and reveals to us is an absence of of a personal relationship and connection with God. It shows that it's missing. It shows that I don't think that I can go in by myself. I don't think he really likes me. You know, if you've ever been in the Catholic religion, they they teach people to pray to the saints. In other words, the godly people that passed away. It's probably not a full description how they would describe it, but they pray to the saints, so the saints would then pray for them for various needs in their life. That comes from that same root. I can't do it. I don't have access. 
God won't hear me just because it's me. Maybe there's something wrong with me. I feel guilty. I feel not good enough. There's something wrong in me that won't, that won't allow my prayer to be effective. But just the opposite is the case. If you've, if you've received the Lord Jesus, he has washed your sins away. And you stand right and holy and clean before God now. Did you see what Jesus said here in verse 27? After he said that about, I'm not going to ask the Father for you. He said in verse 27, for the Father himself loves you. Because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God. So my belief in Jesus and who he is and what he did for me creates this new relationship where the Father loves me directly. How can I know that I don't need to go to someone else and I can access the Father directly? I know that because Jesus said the Father loves me. He, his love for me tells me that he hears me. His love for me tells me I have access to his throne all by myself. I don't need someone else to, to go in ahead of me and kind of clear the path. It'd almost be like if you had had two two sons, two young sons, and they're with, uh, you know, they're they're scheming and devising something. They want permission to do. They want their dad to give them a yes on, or give them some money, or give them permission to go somewhere. And, and the boys are talking, and they said, "Well, we got to ask dad." And, and one of them says to the other, "Okay, you ask him." No, I'm not going to ask him. Uh, Do you you know what I did this morning? (laughs) No, you ask him. (laughs) And and what would be the reason for each, for one to want the other to go in for them? Well, the belief that the father was somehow upset or disappointed or that 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 relationship wasn't clear. So you want someone else to go into you because eh, it's not right with us. And is that what it is? Is that sometimes why we think when we pray, we've always got to get someone else to do it for us? And we can't go in direct because we're not confident in the Father's love for us personally. And I tell you, when you get that, hey, someone else want to go in with me? I'm good, but I'm going whether you're going or not. Happy to have you come along. Let's do it together. But, but I've got my own relationship, and I know he loves me. I don't know what he thinks about you, but I know he loves me. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Amen. This is, this is the way we're supposed to do Why would I go to someone else? Because I don't know how much he loves me, but maybe I think he likes them a little bit better. And what can happen here is then this separation again. We got the Christians, and then we got the super Christians. We got the believer, you know, and then maybe it's the clergy. You know, or we we got this separation, though we don't see it. Hey, we're all his children, and he hears all of our voice. He loves all of us, and we have these separate categories of people who are super powerful, super anointed, super something, and they need to do it for me. And if I don't have them, I can't get it. And here's what I want to stir stir up in your heart today: not that we don't care for one another and pray for one another and help each other. We're doing that constantly. I totally believe in that. But if you were on an island all by yourself, you have contact. He loves you with no one else around. 
He loved, and you can make requests. Jesus said, you'll go directly to him and he will hear you and he will answer your prayer. Amen. Again, I want to emphasize, obviously, I believe in praying for each other. I pray for you. If you pray for me, I receive it. <laughs> I believe it and I'm thankful for it. I'll receive anyone praying for me, but I'm just not going to feel like I'm out between a rock and a hard place if someone else isn't there to pray for me. I know the Father loves me all by myself, and I can make contact. And this is the way we need, to, we need to believe. Believe that when you pray, your voice is heard by the Father. What about someone else? Yeah, hopefully theirs is too. But you know that yours is. Amen. Your presence in God's throne room carries weight. You mean something amazing to Him. And if you'll go in, oh, it's a good day in the house of God. Oh, yeah. He's been waiting for you to come up. Amen. Now, there's a verse over in Philippians chapter 4. Many people know this. Philippians 4.13. And it reads this way. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, let me ask you a question. Who can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? You sure about that? Did you write that book? Now let me give you the let me give you the uh, the correct answer. Who can do all things through Christ who strengthens them? Paul can. Paul was the writer of this letter to the Philippians. He said, "I can do all things through Christ who strengthens." me. He didn't say, you could do all things through Christ who strengthens you. (laughs) He said, he could. So are you saying I can't? No, I'm not saying you can't. I'm not saying that Paul was saying that you can't. He wasn't speaking for you. He was speaking for himself. Everybody with me today? It's not about whether I say you can do all things through Christ and tell you that. If you've got to know that for yourself. He knew that for himself. That's why he said, I can do this. I can do it through the strength that that comes from Christ. I can handle anything. The question is, can you say that for you? Not just you can quote the verse, by the way. We can all quote the verse. But can but can, can you do it? Amen. You see what this goes back to? Is your personal connection and reliance upon God. And if you read the verses around that, you will find that Paul said, I have learned, he said that twice, I have learned this condition. I have learned how to be content in every situation. He said, this is not something that was put on me. He said, I learned how to be this way. And now I can handle anything. Can you? If not, you can learn it. Man, if life runs you over on a regular basis and every other day is drama central, you know, and, and, and it's just tragedy to tragedy and tra- listen, uh, listen, I have compassion on that, but you can learn how to rise up through the strength of Christ and overcome that. But it has to be something that each of us gets on our own. You know what I'm saying? When I say on our own, I, I love the laying on of hands. I love praying for other people. I love ministering and prophesying and letting the anointing flow and whoo glory to God, all that wonderful stuff. You know, there's some things in life that don't come that way. Huh? There's some things in God that you cannot have everyone come lay hands on them. Let's just put it in them. 
Some things don't come through the laying on of hands. They come through you walking it out. They come through me facing whatever I'm facing, and I take the Word of God, and I put it into practice. I stand on it, and I learn how to overcome relying on the strength of God inside of me. If you and I do not learn that, it just doesn't get learned. All right? We, we just don't get it. It doesn't come from... Everybody pray for me. Fine. There's a whole lot of generous, prayerful people around here that will pray for you. That's still not going to replace this. It still doesn't replace you learning how to rely on and yield to the strength of Christ within you. Amen. See, these are the principles that we've got to get. Um, What have you learned to do? Many times we've been trained to doubt our own ability to go into the throne of God, to make contact with uh, with the Father. I think of it sometimes like uh, plumbing needs. You ever had a need for a plumber at your house? If I have a need for a plumber... At the house. Well, actually, come to come to think of it, I was I was able to take a faucet apart not too long ago, and I just have one piece of advice: if you're ever taking apart the kitchen sink faucet, turn the water off first. <laughs> just a little pastoral advice there. I've been I've been praying, reading the scriptures. Turn the water off first, or it goes. <laughs> okay. Generally speaking. <laughs> If I need a plumber, do you know what I do? I call a plumber. Now, could I, could I learn plumbing skills? Sure, I could. I could develop in that area. But the, the frequency of me needing a plumber is not enough for me to dedicate my time and energy and efforts to learn the craft of plumbing. Likewise with electrical skills and so forth. Uh, if I need one, I've got to get, you know, for most projects, I've got to get someone who's an expertise in that area. And I do. And I rely upon those individuals. I rely on people who are experts in all kinds of fields for different areas of my life. But here's the, here's the deal about life. I have to live every day. This is not something I need fixed every six months. Once a year, once every three years, I got a life problem. <laughs> need to call uh, an expert. I live my life every single day, and so I've got to learn how to do it. And I've got to learn how to make contact with God personally. Are there a lot of people around that would be happy to pray for me? Sure. And I appreciate that. But you know what? I've got to have contact with God every single day of my life. And if I don't learn that, I'm going to suffer as a result. I've got to know what I do when it hurts. I've got to know what I need to do when I need God's help. Everybody with me on this? I can't treat that like a plumber, like the electrician, like some occasional thing. Life is every day. It's all the time. And if, and if, if I don't learn it on my own and get this contact with God straight, I'm just not going to do well in life. We've got to learn how to pray, guys. We've got to learn how to pray effectively. We've got to learn how to pray substantially. We've got to have this thing. We're a house of prayer. And if we don't get the main thing down, there's just a lot of stuff that's just not going to work out right. Amen. I'm going to come at you, at, at you some more next time and give you some more information, give you some more teachings, instruction that will help you get it. 
help you get it right so that prayer life that you have, that you, we all ought to have, uh, it'll work. It'll produce results. It'll be effective. And then you giddy on up and get praying for other people who don't know how to do it yet. Amen? Amen. Father, today we're so thankful for what you're doing in our lives. Thankful for the Holy Spirit. We reverence you. Thankful, Holy Spirit, for working in us and through us now. You reveal and you show and you open our eyes and we come to a place where we know all things we need to know. Holy Spirit, we thank you for revealing truth that makes individuals free and able to experience your amazing glory. Thank you, Father. We bless your name. You are great in this place, strong and mighty. Ha ha. Now, friends, know this. The Father himself loves you. You got something going on you need to make requests. Let's take a moment right now. Don't be in a hurry right now. You just, you have access yourself. I could pray for you, but this is even better. You have access yourself. Go ahead and talk to the Father. Make requests in Jesus' name. For things you want him to do for you. Father, thank you now. You hear and you answer. You hear and there's an immediate response from heaven. And we receive. We receive of your goodness, of your grace, of your strength, of your favor and ability. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for opening eyes to see today that there is a revelation of you and your goodness and your love happening all over the place. And even now, your great power is saturating and filling each person who calls on your name. Thank you for a demonstration of power from above. And the glory of your presence fills each one. Glory to God. Glory to God give you all the praise, all the honor, all the thanksgiving, for you are worthy of our praise. Hallelujah. Now say it out loud with me, everybody. Say, Father God, I believe that you love me, and when I ask, you hear me and respond. I pray to you. In the name of Jesus. And it is done. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Father. Oh, thank you, Father. You're a good Father. So gracious and so kind. Thank you for working in every life today. We give you all the glory and all the